affects us throughout the totality of our lives. It isn't that long after babies are born that they immediately latch on to their mother for sustenance. And throughout the early, early years of their life, they pursue their satisfaction for their hunger and thirst with unrelenting determination in the only way that they know how. They cry for their food and drink. It is a universal phenomena. And our Lord Jesus takes this illustration from common life to describe how Christians, how citizens of his kingdom are. All people hunger and thirst, but Christians hunger and thirst after righteousness. In fact, one of the ways that you can tell whether you're a Christian is whether you hunger and thirst after righteousness, and moreover, your vitality as a Christian can be determined by the intensity with which you hunger and thirst after righteousness. And so it is an apt description of what it means to belong to the kingdom of God. So this morning, I want to look at this beatitude under two headings. First, what does it mean to hunger and thirst after righteousness? And then, what is the promise that our Lord Jesus gives? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What does that mean? Well, I think the best way to get a handle on this is to think of it in terms of the distortion and the world under the curse, the distortion of the world that is under the curse of sin. We look around us and we see all kinds of distortions and deviations and devastations and deformation. The world isn't what it ought to be. The world, including ourselves, is ruined and marred because of the fall into sin at the headwaters of human history. And so it's in that background, against that background rather, that we can understand what righteousness is. Righteousness is when things are set right, when things are back the way they ought to be, how they should be. And this is what Christians long for, our Lord says. They long for things to be set right. You can think of the devastation of sin on a global scale. There's all kinds of injustice and cruelty the world over. There's war and displacement of persons. There's hunger and poverty, sometimes because of the corruption and cruelty of the world leaders. Or think about what's happening in our own country. 90,000 babies are killed in the womb each year. There's the promotion of euthanasia and so-called mercy killing. There is the promotion of sexual deviancy and the breakdown of marriage and family life. Christians are being persecuted in unprecedented numbers throughout the world. The world is a mess. It is ruined by sin, and there is all kinds of unrighteousness and injustice abounding. And would it be that it were only the world around us? But the reality of the situation is that we ourselves, both individually as believers and collectively as a church, aren't what we ought to be. There's unrighteousness in us. There's a holding on to petty squabbles. There's the criticism of others and the pride of oneself. 
There's the deviation from the truth of the word of God. There's the ungodliness of our lives, not lived in obedience to the commandments of God. We do not love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We do not love our neighbor as ourselves. We're satisfied with superficial obedience. We're not bothered and lamenting the seriousness of our sins. No, the problem is not just out there. The problem is within us as well. And our Lord says that Christians, when they survey the world around them, the church and themselves, they lament the situation. They're burdened and weighed down by it. They're grieving because of it. And they long for things to be the way they ought to be. They long for righteousness. It is more important to them than their own food and drink that God would come and by his power and might make all things new again. This is what our Lord is teaching us. This is one of the characteristics of a Christian. This is how you can determine whether you belong to the kingdom of God. You hunger and thirst for righteousness, and you are not satisfied until you see it in all of its glory. Well, the wonderful thing is that our Lord Jesus promises that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be satisfied. They will be filled. Now, suppose if you were to ask where and how will they be filled, the answer is obvious for us Christians, because it is only filled in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the answer, really, to every human problem and predicament. And it's true enough. Jesus Christ is the only one who can satisfy us. He is the only one who can fill us. And the reason for that is is because he himself is someone who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. Jesus is saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. He's not just talking about other people, but he includes himself in that. We know our Lord had a passion for righteousness. You could see it as he, as he lived the, his life on earth. He, he was always determined to do the will of his Father. It was his food and drink, he said, to do his Father's will. And as he walked through the world under the curse of sin, when he saw things that were out of place, out of sorts, twisted and warped, he was determined to make it right. And so he would heal the sick. He would raise the dead. He would give sight to the blind. He would restore the hearing of those who were deaf. He would would make things right that had been ruined by sin. And our Lord was so determined for righteousness to prevail in this world of unrighteousness that he would even go to the cross to engage in battle with the enemy who had created such havoc in this world, to do hand-to-hand combat with Satan, to destroy him, even if that meant that he would have to take upon himself the sins of the world and experience the rejection of his God. Our Lord Jesus is someone who hungered and thirsted for righteousness, and it is only in him 
that our hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. Well, how does that work? Well, let's just think of it individually at first. You might remember what our Lord Jesus said about himself in John's gospel, in John 6, verse 35. He said there that he was the bread of life and goes on to say, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Or what he says in John 6, verse 55, for my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. So it's only in Christ, in coming to Christ, in believing on Christ, in eating Christ, by faith, resting the totality of your life upon Him, recognizing that all spiritual blessing comes only in Jesus Christ. It is only by coming to Jesus Christ that our longing for righteousness will be satisfied because it's only in Christ that we are given a right standing before God. We have uh, sins and shortcomings that, that keep us from the presence of God. We, we cannot come into His presence except that He would destroy us because light destroys and conquers darkness. And so we come to God through our Lord Jesus Christ because of what He has accomplished on the cross. He has taken responsibility for all the sins of his people. All of our iniquities have been laid upon him. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was uh, chastised because of our sins. God laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And because Christ went to the cross bearing our sins in his body, as Peter tells us, God the Father punished the Lord Jesus. It pleased God to crush him, to pay our, the penalty for sins upon him instead upon those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And because Christ has by his life and death accomplished the forgiveness of our sins, and because by his life he has fulfilled perfectly all the commandments of the law, in Jesus Christ, we guilty sinners might know righteousness, might know the perfection that God looks upon Christ with and therefore sees us in that same light. It is in Jesus that we have the righteousness we need to stand before a holy God. You might remember how the Apostle Paul put it so wonderfully in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, where he says that God made him, speaking of the Lord Jesus, God made him who knew no sin to become sin or to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So at a personal level, we hunger and thirst for righteousness, and we come to Christ, 
And that's precisely what we get. The righteousness we need to to enable us to stand before God without fear is the righteousness that he gives us because of his life and his sacrificial death. And then, enjoying the forgiveness of sins, knowing that we have a right standing before God, we then pursue righteousness in our lives. We join in the victory of Christ that he has won over sin. And we have victory over sin in our lives as well. We pursue holiness. We say no to ungodliness. We strive after righteousness. We want to do the will of God. We make it our aim to please him. And of course, as you yourself know, this is a strenuous activity. And you're not always successful We're halting, we stumble in this. And yet, by the grace of God, we're able to look at our lives and see progress and notice that we are more righteous now than we were at the beginning of our Christian life. That's what God promises to us, that our longing for righteousness is satisfied in the Lord Jesus because he has given us a right standing before God And he has delivered us from the power of the devil and enabled us to live righteous lives for the praise of his glory. That's what happens right now. That's how we're satisfied now. And as we think of what Christ has done in giving us his righteousness, you can can say, ah, that hits the spot. That's so satisfying to know that God looks upon me as if I have never sinned, as if I had fully obeyed the commandments of God. This is incredible. And then as you're living the Christian life and seeing success over sin, how satisfying is that, that a, a larger part of your life is lived for God's honor and praise. And then, of course, there's what... Uh, the satisfaction that we'll get uh, when Christ returns in glory, when he uh, welcomes us into his eternal kingdom, which, as Peter describes, is the home of righteousness. And when we see the Lord Jesus as he returns in glory, then there's immediate perfection. The righteousness that we've been longing for all our life, the grief that we've experienced because we couldn't worship God the way we wanted to, Well, that's all gone instantaneously, and we will be able to live the totality of our lives in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions without self-righteousness, without pride to the praise of God's glory for all eternity. How satisfying is that? I'm sure that you often think, as I often think, how wearisome it is and live in this world and to sin. And how great it would be if I could live my day-to-day life without the guilt of sin plaguing everything I do. Well, it's coming. It's coming in Christ, in his return, when we will be welcomed into the eternal kingdom of righteousness. But what about the world around us? Is there any satisfaction there? Well, 
occasionally we do have that longing for righteousness satisfied. We do when we see regimes that oppress the church being brought down and the church having freedom again to worship as happened in the downfall of the Soviet Union in 1989 or so. And that makes us glad. We see it when there's reconciliation between Jew and Gentile in the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see it when marriages are restored, when relationships between brothers and sisters are what they ought to be. We see it when the church is is returned back to the faith of the Scriptures. That's uh, as, as what has happened at the Reformation in the 1500s. This is righteousness coming to this world. And we see it when the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ grab a hold, grabs a hold of someone or grabs hold of a community and transforms them for the glory of his name. I remember speaking to you about the Itadi people who were uh, a tribe in Papua New Guinea and uh, were ministered to by the missionary Brad Busser in the uh, 80s and, and 90s. It, it was a, a wicked tribe. They, um, they were cannibals before uh, Brad and Beth Busser came there. The government had forbidden them to uh, eat their neighbors any longer because there were American and British oil interests, and uh, the foreigners weren't too keen on that practice. But, but when the boosters came, and there was rampant sexual deviancy. Rape was a part of the culture. Husbands and wives hated one another. It was terrible. They were, they were vicious people fighting against all the tribes around them. And then the gospel took root in their lives. There were uh, perhaps 12, 15, 20 of the Itedi people come to faith in Jesus Christ. But it, but it seemed, the missionary said, seemed to have a, a, an impact on the whole community of around 2,000. Uh, rape stopped immediately when just that small group of people became believers. Husbands and wives would, would walk around holding their hands. It was, a, it was a community transformed. Here's these missionaries longing for righteousness. Here are people longing for God to break in and establish righteousness in this world. And then he does it through the preaching of the gospel in the small tribe in Papua New Guinea. And the story goes on. A few years ago, uh, an agricultural anthropologist from Australia, he was an atheist, he was a homosexual and a committed relationship with another homosexual, and he went to the Itedi people, and he went there to criticize the influence of the West, how they have ruined the culture of this people. And as he saw the transformation of the society, they had been Christians now for some 20 years, as he saw the transformation of this tribe, having heard the stories of how they once were and seeing how they now are, Well, this uh, anthropologist was converted to Christ, and he forsook his homosexual lifestyle, went back to Australia, spoke to his homosexual partner. That partner was converted to Christ as well. And you you find that so satisfying 
that longing for people to serve the Lord and give him the glory that he is worthy of receiving, to honor Christ as the King of kings and Lord of lords, when you see it happen through the gospel and its proclamation among the nations, you just sit back and say, ah, how satisfying that is. This is what I live for. I long to see righteousness, and I've seen it in a small way. But nevertheless, I do see it. And one day we know that Christ will make all things new. The spears will be transformed into pruning hooks, and the the weapons will become plowshares. And Christ will make all things new. There will be heaven as a place of universal peace and happiness and, and joy. Heaven is a place of love and righteousness. And he will restore all things to the way it was. It will be like memory foam pressed down because of sin and then sin is removed and this world will return to its former position of glory and righteousness. What a great day that will be. That's how our Lord Jesus satisfies those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so the question is, do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do you long to see things the way that God wants them to see? If you do, you will be satisfied if you come to Christ and believe in Him. You know, as Christians who have come to Christ and have been satisfied, we're, we're often so foolish still, aren't we? We don't find our total food and drink in Him. We, uh, we, we get satisfied by the things of this world, transient things like work and family and money and pleasure. None of these things really satisfy. It's so foolish of us. It's, it's like, uh, you know, Thanksgiving dinner next week with, with all the turkey and all the trimmings. It'll be a wonderful thing. But, but imagine on your way to the Thanksgiving dinner, you stop at McDonald's and, and get a Big Mac and then Stop over at Wendy's and get a hamburger there and all this fast food and, and it just leaves you with no appetite for what's really good and, and uh, delightful. And that's how we often live as Christians. We don't hunger and thirst for righteousness. We don't long for the Lord Jesus. We, we, we get pick-me-ups pick from, from the things of this world and, and it's no wonder that our Christian life is is so lacking in vitality and in joy and in passion for Christ and for the things of God. So I urge you and encourage you to look to the Lord Jesus Christ, to have righteousness found in Him to be more important to you than your own food and drink. And you will have this promise that God gives in Revelation 7 that never again will they hunger and never again will they thirst. Let us pray. O Lord, the God of our salvation, we thank you for the longing we have for righteousness because this is implanted by your grace within our hearts. And we thank you that you have given us the Lord Jesus Christ to be the satisfaction for that longing. We ask that you would forgive us for our weak cravings 
and that you would strengthen us by your Holy Spirit so that we would long more and more that Christ would be the treasure of our souls, that he would be our food and drink, that nothing else would be important compared with knowing him as our Savior and Redeemer. We thank you for the righteousness we have received in Christ. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that renews us, changing us from one degree of glory to another. We thank you for what you are doing in this world, and we long for your righteousness to completely conquer. And so we pray with the church of all ages and all places, come Lord Jesus, come quickly, we pray. And we ask this in his dear name, amen.